Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor podcast features Sunday sermons. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining us for another Anchor at Home. For the next couple of weeks, I actually want to dive into one of my favorite topics in the entire Bible, and that is discipleship. To begin, I want to briefly share with you my personal experience in this area, because When I became a Christian during my senior year of high school, I did what so many young Christians do. I dove headfirst into the church structure. I went to almost every service, every special event that my church offered because in my limited understanding of God, I thought Christianity was nothing more than going to church faithfully, having good morals, and hanging out with better people than I did before. Now, obviously none of those things were wrong in and of themselves, but as Months went by, even though I started learning uh, some Bible stories, I started singing some of the songs, I started understanding some of the Christian lingo, and obviously I was doing my best to live a good life. But what happened was, is I began to realize that there was uh, something more to this thing called Christianity than what I had experienced up until that point. The funny thing is, is like so many other people, even though I knew there was something more, I didn't have a clue what that more was, and I certainly didn't know how to go get it. It was at that point, after I graduated high school, God graciously, through a friend, introduced and led me to a nine-month ministry training program. When I arrived there, it was the first time as a Christian that I had ever been encouraged to intentionally cultivate my relationship with God through consistent studying of the Bible, through uh, a private prayer time, through public and private worship, that I was actually encouraged to uh, be open through transparency and vulnerability and accountability type relationship, and even having mentorship in my life. And lastly, it was the first time I was ever encouraged to be uh, active in a servanthood kind of role. Now, as crazy as this might sound, the more I was missing was simply this. I had never known what it meant to become a genuine, committed disciple of Jesus Christ. It almost seems comical now to talk about it, but in all honesty, I think one of the things that hindered me from having the more I desired was my lack of understanding concerning who a disciple actually is. Because At that time, being 18 years old, being new to the church, I limited who a disciple was to the 12 guys that walked around with Jesus for three and a half years. You know, it's Peter, it's Andrew, it's James, it's John, it's Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite, and everybody's favorite, Judas Iscariot. So in my mind, I knew I wasn't one of those guys, so I never took being a disciple personally. Truthfully, the word disciple was nothing more than a word on the page, once again, that described 12 dudes uh, that hung out with Jesus. So I never considered for a moment that it was the very relationship Jesus was inviting me into the moment I got born again. But as I grew in my understanding at that uh, ministry school, I began to realize that Jesus was not only inviting me, but he was also inviting every single person who would ever call upon his name to be saved to enter into a relationship that is established on the basis of being a disciple. 
Now, if you're sitting there today and you're unfamiliar with what that term means, the word disciple simply describes a person who is, yes, a lifelong learner, yes, a pupil, but more specifically, it describes a person who is so close in relationship with Jesus that he or she not only wants to learn his teachings and obey them, but here's the key part, they actually want to become like him. A key word in that description that I would like to highlight just for a moment, in fact, if I was almost could just circle the word in that description, is the word relationship. You see, if we realize it or not, when we became a Christian, we didn't surrender our lives to some lifeless organization. We surrendered our lives to a living God, and because He is alive, everything in His kingdom centers around relationship with Him and with others who have made the same decision we have, and that's become followers of Jesus. And it's through these relationships with God and his people that the purpose of discipleship is accomplished. And that purpose is simply this, for the life and the lifestyle of Jesus to be transferred into our lives by the power of the Holy Spirit. Another way of putting that is simply this, is that the purpose of being a disciple is to know him, to become more like him, and lastly, to make him known. I want to say that again, that the purpose of being a disciple is to know him, is to become more like him, and to lastly, to make him known. Now, I don't know what runs through your mind when you hear that purpose, but over the years, I've witnessed a lot of people who almost accept defeat before they even get started in the discipleship process. I could be wrong here, but I think a lot of Christians instantly become discouraged by the distance between who they currently are compared to who they know they are called to be. So instead of just moving forward in a God direction, they end up telling themselves, that is impossible. I can never be that kind of person. And so they just accept defeat. I've also seen many people make the mistake of comparing themselves to someone that they look up to in the faith and they end up believing that they can never be as godly as that other person. So once again, they don't even try, therefore they just accept defeat. Now, to be clear, by defeat, I don't mean that they, you know, throw the Bible in the closet and they walk away from God. What I mean is simply this, is that they accept mediocrity over maturity. I want to say that to you again, that they accept mediocrity over maturity. So instead of giving God their best as they grow patiently engaging with God and with others through the process, they kind of just settle for doing enough to get by. Come on, you know what I mean. As long as they show up to church once or twice a month, as long as they throw a buck or two in the offering bucket when it passes by, as long as they stay away from those quote-unquote big sins, and uh, you know, obviously when the timing's right, they throw out some Christian lingo like I'm blessed and highly favored. And uh, let's not forget that they are so faithful to pray over those special occasions like breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You know, as long as all that is happening, everything is good. They are content and satisfied with knowing their sins are forgiven and that their uh, heaven is in their future. So in short, what they're doing is they're accepting mediocrity without them even realizing it. They miss out on the incredible adventure God has invited them into uh, by living the life of a disciple. They miss out on literally the benefits of relationship and transformation because you really can't have one without the other. Because I don't want to see any of us make the same mistake of settling for a life of mediocrity, I want to take the next few minutes to encourage you by showing you that the transfer of life and lifestyle that happens through discipleship isn't as impossible as some might think. To do so, I want us to actually take a look at a man named Simon who most of us know as Peter. 
Now, as we look at this next passage of scripture, please try to keep in mind that Simon Peter was a regular person just like you, just like me. He wasn't some superhuman that had some spiritual advantage over everyone else. All right, let's look at Luke chapter 5. We're going to read verses 1 through 8. Once again, please remember uh, that this took place before he became a follower of Christ. It says this in verse 1. It says, So it was as the multitude pressed about him, talking about Jesus, to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Genesaret. Verse 2 says, And saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. In verse 3 it says, Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, or Peter's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. It says in verse 4, When he had stopped speaking... He said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and have caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. It says in verse 6, And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners, we know that was John and James, and the other boat to come and to help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. Here's the key part I want to get to. When Simon Peter saw it, when he saw the miracle, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. I want to sit here for a moment so we can answer a simple question. When Simon said, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, what was he really saying? The word sinful in the Greek language actually means this. It means he was saying, Jesus, I am devoted. I am loyal. I am committed. I am faithful to sin. In other words, Simon uh, is saying much more than, hey, God, look, I've messed up once or twice in my life. No, no, he's saying uh, I have a lifestyle. I have a habit of sinning. So once again, if we can kind of grab a hold of this picture, here is Simon. He's falling on his knees, confessing to the perfect, sinless Son of God that he is devoted to sin, that he has a habit and a loyalty to sin. Now, before we judge Simon of just thinking, dude, what an awkward moment with Jesus. I I think if there was some way that you and I could somehow swap places with him, meaning that it was you or it was me standing in that boat on that day, uh, looking into the eyes of Jesus, I think every single one of us would have had the exact same response. And here's why. It's because it is our imperfection colliding with his perfection. It's our lack of holiness colliding with his holiness. Now, if we can, just kind of remember that, that that's who Peter is. Here's a guy that's once again devoted to sin, committed to sin. Now, let's fast forward in his life to what theologians believe to be 30 to 35 years in his life. And uh, we'll just say this, that over uh, this period of time, he had become one of Jesus' disciples. He had gotten born again. He had been baptized in the Holy Spirit. He had obviously established a relationship with God, and he was one of the main leaders in the church. Uh, He had a ministry that we know that was full of signs and wonders. And even by the leading of the Holy Spirit, he had penned two epistles, meaning two books of the Bible, which we know are 1 Peter and 2 Peter. And he has become uh, the spiritual father of John Mark, so much so that many theologians believe that he was the influencer behind the gospel of Mark, meaning Mark got his stories from Peter. So 
kind of consider all of that to go from a guy devoted to sin to a guy that accomplished all of that for God, and that's only a little bit on the surface. Talk about a, a transfer of life and lifestyle of Jesus into someone's life. Now let's look at one of the things he wrote, once again, 30 to 35 years after Luke chapter 5, after that moment where he fell on his knees. It says this in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 14 through 16. I want you to notice that he's writing to other disciples here. He says this. He says, so as obedient children, meaning as obedient children of God, not conforming yourself to the former lust as in your ignorance. He says, but as he who called you is holy. Remember, that's what he saw in Jesus that day. He says this. He said, you also be holy in all of your conduct. In other words, be holy in all of your lifestyle and all of your habits and all of your loyalties because it is written, be holy for I am holy. So the question I have for you today is, is how did Peter get from being the person that said, I'm devoted, I have a habit, a loyalty, a lifestyle of sinning to telling others, hey, you also be holy in all of your conduct. It's like, Either he's the biggest hypocrite or something changed drastically in him. So once again, the question is, is how did Peter fill the gap between who he was to who he was called to be? I personally believe the answer is found back in Luke chapter 5. We're going to read verses 10 and 11. Now, the first thing I want you to notice as we read this is how Jesus actually responded to Peter's confession. Because I believe it's the exact same way that he responds to us when we confess our sin. It says this in verse 10. It says, And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. In other words, in other words yes, that your uh, lack of holiness has encountered my holiness, but man, there's mercy, there's grace, there's forgiveness. And he says, basically, because there's mercy, because there's grace, because there's forgiveness, watch what he says, From now on, you will catch men. Now, if I could insert Matthew 4.19 here, because it's the more popular scripture from uh, that correlates with this, it simply says this, Come and follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And then it goes on in verse 11, it says, So when they had brought their boats to land, now watch how Simon Peter responded to the mercy of Jesus. It says that he forsook all, that they forsook all, and followed him. So, the point I'm trying to make is that somewhere between Simon Peter's confession and the moment he chose to accept the invitation to become Jesus' disciple, he embraced a willingness to change. He embraced hope, hope that he could be a different man, hope that he could be transformed. Now, does this mean that Simon Peter uh, became perfect? Absolutely not. We all know that moment, get behind me, Satan, right? This guy had a, a, a great uh, habit of messing up, right? But, but he did become teachable. He did become faithful. He did become engaged in the process, once again, of a willingness to know Jesus, to become more like him, and to make him known. He didn't settle, guys, for less than what was made available. He said yes to the invitation that Jesus offered him to become a disciple. So I believe that when we read uh, in Luke chapter 5, 1 through 11, and we compare it to 1 Peter uh, 1, 14 through 16, it is proof that the transfer of the life and the lifestyle of Jesus, the transformation power of God can happen to a normal person, once again, just like you and just like me. 
All it takes, guys, is a willingness to engage in the discipleship process with God and others of like faith. So to drive this point home, just to uh, show how much that the change really happened in Peter, I want to I just reinforce this whole idea with three uh, passages of Scripture. It says this in 1 Peter. Once again, these are all uh, verses that he wrote. 1 Peter 4, 3 through 4. He says, for we, keyword for we, not for you, for we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles. When we walked in lewdness and lust and drunkenness of uh, revelries of drinking parties and abominable idolatries. In other words, when we were engaged in a lifestyle of sin, but I love it. it says this, it says in regard to these, they, in other words, the people we should run with, they think it's strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dispensation, speaking evil of you. In other words, what he's saying, guys, if I can put it in everyday language, he's saying, guys, that's how we used to live. But when we encounter Jesus, our life changed so much that the guys we used to run with, now they make fun of us. And what he's saying is that there's evidence that there's been a transformation in our lives. Now, let's look at 1 Peter 2, 1 through 2. It says, therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, evil, and all evil speaking. In other words, laying aside your lifestyle of sin. He says this in verse 2, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may, keyword, that you may grow. In other words, that you may be willing to be transformed. Once again, it just speaks to the change that happened in him. And lastly, and probably my favorite verse uh, that's, possibly in all the things that Peter wrote. In 1 Peter 2, 21, it says, in fact, you were called to live this way because Christ also suffered in your place, leaving you his example, keyword, his example for you to follow. So when I read those things, I don't know about you, but I just think Peter understood that it is impossible to be a true disciple of Christ without embracing a lifestyle of continual growth and continual change. So I simply want to close today by encouraging all of us to reject the impulses to embrace a spiritual life of mediocrity. Guys, we all have that impulse that says in the back of our heads, ah, just do enough to get by. I, I wanna encourage you to reject that and let's accept his invitation that leads to maturity by becoming a true disciple of Jesus Christ. Let's pray and we'll be done. Father, I thank you for your word today. God, I thank you that it's alive and powerful. God, that it's still sharpening two-edged sword that has the ability to cut and divide between our soul and spirit. And so, Lord, today I just simply ask that your word would go deep and, God, that you would help us to have the courage and the strength to, to say no to mediocrity and to say yes to becoming a disciple and following you with all of our heart. And so Lord, whatever obstacles that stand in our way, whatever excuses stand in our way today, Father, I simply ask that you would expose them for what they really are and that you would remove them and so our hearts could be really open and we could say, yes, God, we want to see that life, uh, just that life transfer, that life transformation in our own hearts, in our own lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you so much for joining us again today. Look forward to seeing you next week. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless. God bless.